Listening to the Cannabis Hangout. Two girls, one bowl, and a podcast that is breaking the stigma of marijuana. My name is Brandon. And my name is Saba. We will be connecting with the community of cannabis enthusiasts by educating people, sharing stories from medical marijuana patients, and interviewing industry leaders while debunking cannabis myths. So we invite you to come roll with us while, while we, we break, break it all down. down. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout. We're really excited to chat to chat with Alexandria Irons today, aka the Queen of the Sun Grown. We originally found her via Instagram and she has rich knowledge through diverse experiences and has a big love for the outdoors and sun-grown cannabis. She helps others step into their own unique paths with their skills and resources while she loves her community and sharing what she knows. Her love for the cannabis plant has impacted her life greatly, and we're excited to get to know her better and what she does and what she loves. So please welcome Alexandria to the Cannabis Hangout. Hey, Alexandria. Hi, ladies. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here with us. Um, Before we get started, can you tell our listeners where you are calling us from? Yes, I am calling from Spokane, Washington. Ooh, I've always wanted to go there. Oh, it's nice. I just moved here. Well, I say just, but about a year and a half ago, um, I spent most of my life in California. So I was actually born in Spokane, but just moved back. Nice. Uh, Such a beautiful place there. I mean, full of all of the nature Mm -hmm. you get, huh? How's it been being back? Um, you know, it's, it's weird. It's, (laughs) um, it's nice to be around my family, but it's definitely a culture shock, especially with cannabis. You know, I spent the last 10 years living in, um, Northern California growing. My neighbors were growing. It's very cannabis friendly. And so now I'm living in a, you know, suburban neighborhood and, I just, you know, I have like four giant outdoor plants and I'm always wondering if my neighbors like what they think. I don't, I, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's just, and if they can smell it different. and you know, it's just so many things I'm sure come with that. Oh yeah. I actually, um, have my, one of my neighbors called my landlord and they're like, you know, the smell is getting really overwhelming. We can't even sit outside and enjoy. <laughs> like, Oh no. I'm like the smells overwhelming. It's a beautiful smell. What do you mean? I know exactly. Some people just just really think the opposite with that. Like I, I had, I had talked to someone before who like lived in Colorado and like, that was one of the reasons they moved out of the city was because of like, they could just smell cannabis everywhere. They felt like, I was like, wow, interesting, like an interesting, you know, stance. You must like really like, you know, be against the smell of that or it must really bother you to feel that way, you know? It really, it does affect some people. I did a lot of like work when Prop 64 in California was passed for recreational and I was super involved in advocacy and legislation. And the number one complaint from public comments of like just regular folks was like, 
I don't like the smell, not in our neighborhood. We don't want to have weed farms around because it's going to smell and make the value of our home go down. Like, what? Smells good. I know. It's it's interesting because, you know, to some people, like for my dad, for example, like he does, I don't feel like he thinks it smells good. Like it's a, it's always like a, what is that skunky smell? You know, it's never like, there's nothing further like that he appreciates than that, you know? Oh yeah. Same with my grandma. She thinks all weed smells like skunk. And I'm like, dude, this is not even gassy or skunky. This is like flowery and fruity. Like, what <laughs> right? are you talking about? I know. It was, <laughs> I will say though, it was helpful like growing or just like in years past and having to like, you know, try to be like, yeah, dad, it, it's not my cannabis. It is a skunk. You're right. You know, just to be like, you can go ahead and run with that. If you think that's what it is, we're just going to say it, it's a skunk and I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I actually have a funny story about that. When I was a teenager, my mom let one of my friends live with us. She was always taking in people and like, um, he was just, he smoked a lot of weed and she wasn't familiar with the smell of cannabis. I was raised Mormon. So she was raised Mormon, very, you know, no alcohol, no weed, no nothing. And she didn't know that it was, that that was the smell that was like around this kid. And she was just like, kept, I need to clean his room. I need to ask him. There's something that smells like a skunk (laughs) is in there. (laughs) Yeah. Is he showering? (laughs) Yeah, and I'm just like laughing to myself, like, oh my gosh, this I'm not gonna tell her it's me. <laughs> like she can just keep thinking it's that's just funny. That <laughs> was really funny. So that's actually a perfect segue into what 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 is your first memory with cannabis? Like when was the first time you consumed and what was that experience like for you? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um it was stressful. <laughs> no. I I um snuck out while my parents were out of town. So it wasn't like I had to sneak out, I guess. I just wasn't supposed to be out and about. I was supposed to be home. And I was with older girls on the cheer squad in high school. And I think I was 14, a freshman. So I started, I was like, sure. Yeah, let's smoke. I've always wanted to try it. And we were at a park and it was probably like midnight and there was some kids fishing and all of a sudden, like, they had a bucket of fish out there, and the bear came and started eating, like, got into the bucket of fish, and I was so high. Oh Everyone was screaming, <laughs> running around, like, I'm like, I need to go home. Please take me home. Like, <laughs> I had a severe anxiety attack. Like, that's not what I was looking for. That's kind of yeah, stressful. That's horrible. What a, what a- crazy first experience like a real life situation you're in and you're you're high and you're having to fight or flight like you have to figure out what to do when there's a big ass bear in front of you yeah it was it was crazy I just went home I'm like I'm not hanging out with you guys anymore take me home <laughs> that was enough I think I was yeah like no I feel I should never have snuck out I, what was I doing I could have been eaten by a bear really though I <laughs> I didn't smoke again for like two years. Oh, wow. Like not- <laughs> I mean, I feel like that would have done damage to me too. If yeah. I was in your shoes, I would have been like, I'm out. I don't want any part of that. No one's ever said anything like that though. So I love that you just put a twist on it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So with that being said, what kind of smoker are you? Like, do you prefer rolling up flower joints or you like concentrates, edibles? Like what's your jam? You know, I'm a very evolved smoker throughout my life. I have, you know, varied. I used to not be able to go anywhere without a PRJ. I need a pre-roll joint for every like trip in the car, every hike, anything like that was my go-to. Um, but since I've become a mom, I am like mostly strictly edibles. Like, okay. What kind of edibles? I make bubble hash gummies that I just, yeah, single source, homegrown organic flour, then washed on farm and then decarbed and then turned into some good old fashioned organic honey gummy bears wow what honey that gummy bears amazing <laughs> wow yum yes yes I love it I love the edibles because it's like you don't know that you're really high until you're really high you know what I mean yeah. like <laughs> how many what's like the milligram would you say on the ones you make um I try to go for like 20 to 30 milligrams per bear yeah and I like to microdose now because I'm so busy that I just eat like bite off the head, do like 10 milligrams yeah. at a time, then maybe eat a little bit more. Yeah. Um, as needed throughout the day or whatever. Yeah. Because I find just like smoking, like I, I love dabs. I can still smoke like THCA isolate right, pretty regularly, but like just flour and smoking in general. I don't like having the smell on me when I'm with my son. I just live in a a kind of more conservative area and I know that I should be more comfortable, but just coming from my, you know, Mormon background, living in a conservative Mm -hmm. community, I just have those kind of limiting like social constructs, you know, that you like, Oh, people are judging me, even though like, Moms can drink a glass of wine and it's completely okay. But here, if I was to smoke a joint in front of my son, like in front in public, I probably would have like CPS called on me or something. Wow. wow. And But you're also like in a legal state that's like even like recreational there. Yeah. It is, but it's one of the only states where it's still a felony for home grow without a medical license. Wow. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. So it's looked yeah. at. Yeah. It's frowned upon yeah very much I can see that what you're saying especially being in like a suburban neighborhood you said so how does your family feel about what you do and you know like do they know how do they feel about you know cannabis I mean oh yeah you know what's that like for you um my mom is my number one supporter of everything and anything I do so it doesn't matter to her at all Mm -hmm. I mean she I've been growing for like almost eight years now and seven of those years were commercial production for medical and recreational in California. And I mean, she would go to the trap house in Oakland with me to pick up concentrate from the lab, from the BHO lab. She's just like my ride or die. Shout out to your mom. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'll smoke with her occasionally. She likes edibles too. And um, it's so funny because I have a little brother who's 11 now. And he, after we would smoke, she would be like, he would be like, oh, why do you smell like Alex's house? 
Maybe he didn't know that it was weed. <laughs> oh, he just, you know, associated a smell with someone's home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With me. I yeah. mean, it's, it's so cute. But no, I mean, my mom's so, super cool about it. I mean, she knows everything. My dad, on the other hand, is like a little more straight edge and... He knows, obviously, I mean, this is my whole career, my mm-hmm. life. This is what I do. Um, but like, he won't touch the plants. I'm like, oh, you can, if you touch it, you can smell like, you know, the resin on your fingers. And he's like, no, thanks. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Just being closed off. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Let's pause for a minute and talk about Oklahoma's grassroots cannabis publication, Herbage Magazine. They are in over 500 dispensaries statewide, providing cannabis education and supporting and highlighting the local communities. For more information, visit HerbageMag.com. That's H-E-R-B-A-G-E-M-A-G.com. Yeah, I think he picked up my son like two weeks ago and he was like, um, we were trimming or my little brother was trimming in the house and, uh, not the 11 year old one. I haven't trained him yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. If it was, uh, <laughs> and he's like, what? Like his eyes got huge. He just couldn't believe like the overwhelming smell. And he washed like all of my son's clothes when oh. he got to his house because he said he smelled so bad. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. It's 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 always interesting to hear people's perspectives on especially when it comes to their parents and how they perceive cannabis because they're so stuck in this box that they don't want to get out of. And even if they are enticed by maybe, you know, wanting to smell the plant or seeing, you know, what it's like or what the I guess the hype is, they will never do it because it's like they're stubborn and they're like, no. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Don't even. I, I mean, I tried talking to him about mushrooms, and he was like, but his mind was blown. He was just like, no, 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 no. Oh. Like that's why you need to eat some, Dad, because it'll help your neuroplasticity and open up that mind. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, do they recognize that they have like a really intelligent daughter who like is well educated? You know what I mean? Like you're provi- I'm, I'm sure you provide them with a lot of great information. You know. Oh, yeah. I mean, my dad, we don't even talk about it, really. It's so crazy. Like, he just is not into it. So it's like this whole part of, you know, basically, he doesn't really know me that well, because he doesn't really care to hear about this, you know? Yeah, I do know. So what introduced you originally to using cannabis as medicine? And how would you say it's benefited your life or benefiting right now? Um, well, whenever people ask me this, I'm like, it's cause I'm crazy. <laughs> it's, uh, my mental health. I mean, it makes me a better person. It makes me more patient, less anxious, a better mom, a better wife, um, more physically active. It makes me happier. It makes food better. I mean, everything yeah. in life, <laughs> it's just I'm an overthinker and I think I was like 16 years old I was just going through the teenage angst uh panic attacks and anxiety disorder and OCD and just really struggling and um my mom had you know listens to the doctors we and they're like here put her on Prozac and I felt nothing I felt so numb and mm-hmm. zombied out And 
I got off of it and started smoking regularly. And I just, I mean, that completely changed everything. It's like, oh, I don't need to worry. I don't need to be anxious about these things. It's like, life is good. Relax. Just be present. Yeah, that's awesome. It's cannabis has such a way of doing that to make you feel so present and with one with the earth. And I love that feeling, especially when you are an overthinker like you are and myself, I overthink quite a bit. So it's nice when I feel like it takes me out of myself and I'm like overlooking my life and being like, dude, what are you tripping about? Like, this isn't a big deal. Oh yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. I think it's really important to just like holistic approach to your health and not like because sometimes I can use cannabis to forget my worries. Right. But some, and then sometimes it's like, you need to worry. And sometimes I don't smoke or don't get high because I know like, Hey, I need to focus a hundred percent. And it's like recognizing when and how much and what form of cannabis I'm going to be using. Cause it's like, I think that a lot of times people can get, um, like caught up in the swirl or the the current of life Mm -hmm. and then they just are floating through it and letting the life lead them instead of them like leading their life you know what I'm saying yes Mm -hmm. totally that was very well said Mm -hmm. it's so true so you're a cultivator an educator a student a mother and an advocate how do you balance doing everything you love Oh my God. I don't. (laughs) You're like, how do I even do it? (laughs) I know. I ask myself that all the time. I take a lot of time out to play. That's like, I can grind. I wake up super early, um, five or 6am every day. I have routines where I'm just like, okay, I need to meditate, focus on my breathing, do some yoga. And then write out a priority of everything that I need to get done. I'm huge into lists and planning and then carving out time every day to have fun. And that in like super physically active. So triathlons, running, mountain biking, snowboarding, wake surfing, um, anything active. I just have to do it and get my endorphins up. And then I'm like, okay, I'm charged. I can work all day tomorrow and be stoked and happy. I actually was kind of bummed because I woke up at 6am to go mountain biking this morning and my truck wouldn't start. Oh, and no. I didn't want to wake up. I know. I didn't want to wake up my husband, so I didn't go biking. So I was kind of grumpy today. A little bit. Because you didn't get your, your play in. <laughs> That's cool though. I like your, um, your little routine of waking up early and then doing your priorities mm-hmm. and then feeling you have to go play like that that's cool so whenever like growing up did you always were you always that active too because that's not just something I feel like that just all of a sudden sparks in you at your age now like did you grow up doing all that kind of stuff um I've always been active like if it was just running or jumping on the trampoline um I had a dirt bike since I was like six to 16 we rode pretty regularly uh, fishing camping whatever outside um, I didn't start snowboarding until I was 17 and then I became obsessed and I lived in the mountains for like 10 years after that basically until prop 64 um, forced me to move out of Tahoe but I just like you know spent 100 days on the on the mountain every year Wow. What, um, where at in the mountains were you? Um, I lived 
near Lake Tahoe, so I was like lived at Donner Summit. I snowboarded like North Star, Squaw, Boreal, Donner Ski Ranch. I worked at Sugar Bowl for four years. Um all over Tahoe. Okay. Wow. So I hear wow. amazing things I've, about I Tahoe. Know. It's on my bucket list to go there. I know it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like the the most beautiful lake I've ever seen and some of the best snow and like the most snowfall in the country. Five hundred to seven hundred inches annual. Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's is a it lot. is it expensive to live out there? It used to be a more affordable since COVID, like everywhere. It's gotten insane. Um, but I bought my first house in 2014 in Lake Tahoe, and it really wasn't that expensive back then, right after, okay. like, you know, the recession. So yeah. that's, that's awesome. Cool. Do you still have that house or did you sell it? No, I sold it nice. a long time ago. So yeah. it was a bummer. I wish I had held on to that, man. I know. Yeah. Those are always like, you know, dreams to do that. But then you're like, I need the money to, in order to do this. Setting up a new company can be difficult and confusing, but establishing a strong foundation with appropriate and necessary documents can help protect you in the long run. Jade Pebworth over at the Me Law Group in Oklahoma focuses to provide you with a comprehensive approach and intelligent advice and representation focused on resolving problems rather than inflating them. She kills it with civil litigation, cannabis law, business planning, corporate law slash litigation, and family law. She enjoys working with companies from the ground up. Whether you need her to review and draft contracts for your company, assist in licensing applications, and more, the Me Law Group has your back. Now, let's get back to today's episode. Yeah, to like like live somewhere else. You have yeah. to sell your house unless you're balling. Right, yeah. exactly. Right. So Alexandria, in your own words, will you tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, I am a human being. <laughs> um, I love growing, smoking, teaching, playing. I'm forever learning. Um, mom, child. I I teach people how to holistically garden, whether it's cannabis or other medicinal herbs. Um, flowers, veggies, and just do things for themselves. I'm a firm believer in being a sovereign individual. And so I always want to know how to do something. I don't, and and I want to empower people to know how to do that themselves as well. Um, So after, you know, seven years of commercial cultivation, I've just been inspired to teach and And that's what I've been doing the last year and a half is, you know, I traveled the country teaching a living soil masterclass. I teach online classes once a month. I write articles for the Humboldt Seed Company, Seedsman. I do podcasts. I just love helping people grow more clean organic cannabis for as affordable as possible and helping destigmatize, especially coming from my you know, my Mormon background where it's kind of looked down on. Yeah, definitely. Wow. You wear a lot of hats. Holy cow. When do you find time to sleep? (laughs) And sleep good. I don't need that much. (laughs) You've mastered the four hour, the four hour a night resting and then waking up and just getting after it. Six to eight hours is my prime. And then I'm, I, you know, 
like I said, if you organize your time, you would be surprised at how much people waste like on their phones. Like I have a timer. I can't be on my phone more than two hours a day for any app. Like it'll just shut off. You know, you can't access the apps unless it's email or business things. I'm just pretty strict with like managing my time, I guess. That's good. Time management. So my dad admirable. used to always harp me on time management and how important that was. And it's a beautiful skill yeah. that a lot of people do not have. And when mm-hmm. I see it, I am like, I recognize it in other people and admire it. Um, there's a really good book called The Lean Farmer. I think it's The Lean Farm or The Lean Farmer by Ben Hammond. And um, it's all about the Toyota uh, lean system for Kaizen, which is continuous improvement. And it's all about efficiency and how you go about your day so that you're like stacking activities. So, you know, for me, I'm like gardening and doing things in my garden, but at the same time, I'm taking videos and pictures and creating content and hosting a class while I'm actually harvesting the plants and I'll have my son out there helping me weed and it's like just figuring out the efficiency of how you can create systems in your life mm-hmm. that are interconnected wow That's awesome. that sounds like a really good book I will definitely be looking I know. into that I know I'm looking for something like that I feel like you're answering <laughs> answering my prayer <laughs> so thank you for that so okay Alex you're the queen of the sun grown where did your passion passion for growing cannabis outside come from and why do you love that so much Um, and actually this is interesting. Everyone assumes that I'm the queen of the sun grown, but I, uh, the plant is the queen, queen of the sun. She's, you know, she's out there and her potential cannabis outside is just so much more than when it's grown indoors. I began my cultivation journey inside. And first of all, I hate being inside. If you couldn't tell from all my outdoor <laughs> activities. Yes. Um, but the cramped space, the lack of biodiversity, um, it just limits the terpene expression because terpenes, what are they? They're the communication of plants with other organisms. So plants can create specific terpenes in results of pest pressure or other abiotic, like, um, you know, humidity and heat and things that are happening outside can influence the terpene expression of the plant. And so when you're in a indoor environment where it's all controlled and you're not having, you know, other species out there communicating, you're really not allowing your plant to express its fullest potential of those terpenes, which are, you know, the flavor, the aroma, the medicinal benefit of the entourage effect. And I just love being outside. And so after two years of growing indoor, like I had to move out of the mountains for Prop 64 um, to continue growing like my business licensed legally. And I moved completely outdoors and I loved it. It was just so much better. And then you, you get the winter off to snowboard more. Yeah, you awesome. get to play. You get to play. Yeah, you get a couple months of playing before you have to get back to work. Exactly. So, do you remember the moment when you knew cultivating plants was what you were going to pursue for your, I mean, your life, your career, your livelihood? Like, what was? Do you remember that exact moment and what <laughs> triggered it? Um, you know, it wasn't 
my whole life, I've always wanted to just homestead. It wasn't about um, growing a particular plant. It was just about um, growing anything and everything I need to survive. Um, I was obsessed with like pioneers and little house on the prairie when I was a kid. And I was just like, that's what I want to do. I want to be a pioneer and just figure out how to take care of myself. And then, um, I went to school for environmental science, natural science, and I started working for the nature conservancy doing like, um, invasive species management and endangered species management. And I loved it, but I made like no money and I started dating a guy who was an indoor grower and I'd always wanted to just grow my own weed because I smoked a lot of weed at that point. And so it just kind of was like, Hey, can you teach me how to do this? And he was a salty boy, like <laughs> no, all synthetics. <laughs> salty <Rock> boy. <laughs> and I just took my experience in like ecosystem management and I was like, man, I want to grow organic outdoor cannabis. Like how do I turn my dreams of homesteading and everything into like this career? And I signed up for UC Davis master gardener program. I took holistic management classes. I listen to every podcast. I read the books. I was like, okay, when I become obsessed with something, I go full force into it. And that's what happened with cannabis. So it wasn't like this certain moment. It was just like, oh, this makes sense. Like I, I'm super health conscious about what I eat, what I put on my body. Why wouldn't I do the same thing with the weed that I'm smoking? For sure. You know? Yeah. No, I love that. Um, I love that for you. Just all around organic and you care about what you're putting in your body. Mm-hmm. And I feel like what you said about homestead and like having those values and that. skill set that you have, that's not something that's taught in school. I mean, maybe it was back in the day, but now it's definitely not taught in school. It's on your own. Yeah. It's, you just have to want to do it. And that's such a big skill set that we, people don't have these days. So the fact that you have it and you're so passionate about it, that's such a beautiful thing because if this world ever shuts down, you, could you will be good to go. Yeah. Oh, I'm always imagining the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hear you. <laughs> so what was the first strain that you ever grew? Like what was, and like, what was the feeling you had whenever you had your first harvest? Um, so the first strain I grew with my partner was the THC bomb and it was, I mean, it was beautiful. It was the frostiest weed I'd ever seen. And it tested at 31%. And this was in 2016. Wow. Okay. Right. So this is like when weed was barely hitting over 30%. Like that was like unheard of. Like the twenties were high. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And I, I loved it. I smoked that. We grew actually three harvests in a row. Um, Cause it was so good. And is, then is this one that you grew indoors? Yep. This okay. is indoors. Okay. Cool. Um, my first strain I grew outdoors was blueberry muffin crossed with lavender haze. Ooh. And yes. And it was blueberry muffin was my favorite strain when it came out. Like I just loved the smell was so unique and 
the high was like euphoric, creative, light, playful, like a perfect daytime high. And so the lavender haze cross was, it was, two, I had two seed plants, so two different pheno or genotypes, and they expressed completely differently. Like one became like so dark, dark purple, like the leaves were almost black. And I just remember thinking this would never have happened inside, like this color, this yeah. expression. It was so beautiful. That's wow. awesome. Do you have any strains that do you still run any strains that you started off with? No, moving from California to Washington, I've never been good at keeping genetic a genetic library. Like we were growing the last two years before going to Washington, we were growing um, greenhouse, light depth, light assist, and doing a lot of plants at one time. And it was just too much to manage two 75 foot greenhouses, 200 outdoor wow. plants and a uh, new baby. And I wish I had kept strains, but I didn't. And so when we moved to Washington, I actually had to start over with um, seeds because California, you can get clones anytime. I'm like, yo, give me a list. And I get like 200 different strains that I could go pick up in Oakland and it would be, you know, mm -hmm. the next day. Um, here I didn't know anybody and I had to just start out with seeds from everything. So it took a while to get like hunt through them, find keepers, take clones. And I'm actually now like playing with breeding myself and oh, cool. I'm super excited. That's cool. Yeah. That's fun to get into, especially somebody uh, like yourself from what it sounds like. You're super, you are super passionate about what you do and you, I mean, you're a homesteader, you grow your own plants. And so to be able to have one that you've breeded is so cool. I know. I'm really excited for this. I just checked it because I'm doing, I'm breeding outside. So I have four big ass weed plants that are two phenos of strawberry banana grape, mm. one of gelato OG and one of purple ghost candy. And I open pollinated them with a male that I had selected from this unknown breeder, like somebody who gave me seeds at one of the classes that I taught. I don't even remember who, and I can't find the information online. The packet was so like, I just, it has barely any information, but it looked so good. And it was a cherry Charmander, which was like Quattro Kush and cherry Sherbaccio. And I kept a few males um, from a few different strains. And this one was just like beautiful, robust, great color, like hearty, just gorgeous. And so I killed everyone else and then kept him and just left him out to pollinate, open pollinate those big girls. And I just checked. Um, I pulled my first seed out today to check on them and see how they were maturing. And it looked amazing. looks great. I can't wait to pop it. Wow. That's so exciting. Now you can start your library. Now is like the real time to start the library. <laughs> Yes, yes. I mean, I have a contract with Seedsman Seed Bank out of Spain. And mm -hmm. so I work with them doing like content creation, articles. Um, they're partnering with me on my monthly online classes. So I can just have it on their website instead of me trying to freaking market it because I already do have enough things going on. Yes, that's not another <laughs> um, thing you need added to your plate. 
Exactly. And so I'm really hoping that because I'm everything that I bred it with was all females from Seedsman. Um, and I'm like, okay, like I need to find some keepers in here and really stabilize this. And then I'm hoping I can just, you know, sell it back to them and they can just label it under Seedsman. Very cool. Goals. Let's manifest that. It's yes. going to happen. <laughs> I mean, it. Yeah, it's going to happen just based on your track record and how you've just kind of been going through life and all the things you've accomplished. That's that's nothing like that's going to happen sooner than you think. Oh, thank you. Yay. So transitioning from California to Spokane, what's it like growing cannabis outside where you're at now? What's the land like versus what you've worked with? Is it easier? Is it harder? What's that been like for you? Oh yeah, it's so much harder. I mean, just being in a, I'm on a quarter acre suburban neighborhood. And before I was on 17 acres where I had rich foothill soil, I planted directly in the ground. Um, and here I'm in raised beds and pots and um, having to use potting mix. Potting mix is not soil. It's lacks, you know, soil is in the ground. It's 45% mineral content. So it's completely different to grow in. Um, and then it's, you know, further north you are away from the equator. The light difference is crazy. So I didn't go in the flower until like August second week of August and in California I was like flowering by July 20th July 25th at the latest um so that's like three weeks four weeks difference and then it's cold as hell already I'm like oh my god are my plants gonna finish I should have depthed them I should have pulled tarps and triggered them to go into flower early but this was my first outdoor grow here in Washington and last year we I experienced the fall and it was warm and nice until October so it's like oh you know I don't need to it'll be fine so but I'm really scared it'll hopefully it works out hopefully the girls just kind of know and you know it all works out for you I don't really know how that works in regards to like triggering them to flower early that's so interesting but I'm sure they'll be okay hopefully fingers crossed (laughs) Yeah, we'll just have to pray uh, that it doesn't freeze or snow in October. Yes, that is like the huge factor. We're sending you good vibes from Oklahoma. (laughs) Thank you. So how do you pick like what strains you're going to grow? And like, are you pretty like in particular about the strains that you bring into your garden? Um, You know, it's changed and evolved depending on what I'm looking for. Like I'm a big um, concentrate person. So I make concentrate with everything, um, whether it's bubble hash or BHO or uh, ethanol extraction. So um, I'm looking for things that are first and foremost good at washing because bubble hash allegedly costs the most, you know what I'm saying? And so like looking at whether it's for production of that, um, always yield um, for outdoor in this area, mold resistance. So things like limonene, um, looking at internodal spacing, like it's going to, it's not going to make the cut if it's not yielding. So I collect a lot of data, look at like different plants as we were doing our pheno hunt inside, like what did they yield? How much space did they take up? Um, you know, what did they look like? What did they smell like? And then also obviously how did they smoke? How did they make me feel? Right. Um, 
so I just take notes and write a lot of things down. And then, you know, if it's not checking all of the boxes, it doesn't have room in the garden. That's cool. I like your process. It's you're very, um, intentional with it all. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can't, I mean, this is my livelihood. I can't like, you have to be, there's not another option. Yep. So what's your day look like? And I know day to day is different, but what's your day look like from the moment you wake up to the time you go to bed in regards to being a grower and just, you know, everything that you have to do in regards to education. And I know day to day is so different, but on an average day, what's it look like for you? If you're ever in the Oklahoma City area, check out Chill Dispensary at 22 Northeast 10th Street. They're good people with hand-washed, single-source, live rosin, flour, pre-rolls, and other solventless products. So go show them some love and enjoy a chill experience. Now, back to the episode. Honestly, now that I'm not growing a ton outdoors, like I only have... You know, I have my four big plants and I have eight small plants in a bed and then maybe like another six, I, uh, you know, not that many, like less than 20 plants outside. So it doesn't take me that much time to take care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, and I've really just been focusing on creating the content for these classes and writing for different companies and podcasting. So I'm inside way more than I would like, and I'm hoping to change that in the next year um but I wake up like I said between five and six and I typically start the day out I drink a mushroom latte I haven't been on Mm. coffee for like eight months and it's game changing like oh my god I love it and I try to go if it's not too cold outside for a few minutes to drink my coffee because I think that getting natural sunlight first thing in the day is really important Um, and then I go down into my basement office, the dungeon, and I work for like at least two hours. I will put like a timer on that. I can't stop working on whatever it is for at least two hours. And then I'll take a break, have breakfast with my family, say hi to my son, and then either go, you know, go back down and work, um, writing I'm writing a lot right now like articles for the classes recipes I have a patreon subscription so I have to do um, articles for them my members and I do a weekly class with them on whatever it is they need help with so I'm doing like consulting for their home gardens and running a discord server and so that's like way more computer work than I want but I'm blessed I'm happy that I have this and um, then by, I try and finish all my computer work by noon and spend the afternoon like either biking, playing with my son, doing more garden work outside, uh, watering, you know, hanging out. Yeah, That sounds like a solid work schedule, to be honest. It does. That sounds so awesome. And you've created that for yourself and now you have the freedom to do how you want your day. I know. know? I admire that. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not made for a nine to five. Like I can't, I cannot do it. I tried for like a year to do project management because I'm really good at bossing people around. (laughs) (laughs) I hated sitting on my computer from nine or 8am until 4pm. It was just, 
It's a lot. Ugh. Yeah, I get yeah. that. Okay, oh. I have to ask, what mushroom coffee are you drinking? Because I also drink a mushroom coffee, and I want to know what you do, too. Okay, so my first introduction was mud water, and I did not like it. I was okay, like, oh, I, I can't. Yeah, I never tried that because I, like, heard things about that. But I tried Rise. Okay, I haven't tried Rise. Okay. I do. I have a subscription to Everyday Dose. Okay. And... It has 35 milligrams of green coffee bean extract in it. So you do have a little bit of coffee caffeine, um, but it's fruiting body. So I think it's got cordyceps, reishi, Mm -hmm. and lion's mane. Um, And then also I'm doing one called Headspace, which is a chai, and it has like five different mushrooms. And somebody sent me that one from Instagram and I don't have a subscription to it, but I should because it's so good. Um, And then I'm also doing gummies that have, Mm -hmm. let's see here. So hemp lucid. So they, which is so crazy that they can put THC in it and it's a hemp company. I'm just like, how, how do they do that? But um, they do lion's mane. They have like a sleep, a focus, a stress. And the sleep one is so crazy. It has a bunch of CBN in it, which is converted, like degraded THC. So super couch lock sedative um, and ashwagandha. And I don't remember what mushroom, but I'm, I'm like in with the mushrooms right now. I have, I eat mushrooms all day. I love that. I know I'm so into like learning more and doing that and, you know, even like microdosing and stuff. So um, I just had to know like what, brand you were jamming with so thanks for sharing that yeah of course I'm working on um microdose capsules right now I have like uh freaking Terrence McKenna and albino penis envy that I'm like grinding up and then putting in with a powdered lion's mane and niacin which is like the pulse damn stack and putting like 0.2 mm-hmm. gram into each capsule okay and I like that psilocybin is also one of those things that has helped me tremendously with my mental health. And I think everyone should do psychedelics. Mm-hmm. I think that it could change the world and it is changing the world. I think so. Too. Um, I, I had postpartum depression after having my son and I started microdosing and it just, I mean, it, it immensely helped, like really, really helped. And I'm teaching at a mushroom and permaculture festival, October 6th through 8th, um, called Myceliate on Vashon Island near Seattle. And I, if anyone's in the Pacific Northwest listening to this, I highly recommend going. Um, I taught, I, I'm teaching a class on the magic of mycorrhiza and the symbiotic relationship mycorrhiza fungi has with plants. Um, but there's like Chris Trump taught there, Matt Powers, um, Dustin, or I don't remember his name, Future 4200, a ton of people in the permaculture, cannabis, mushroom space. Um, and I took a class last year that was how to grow mushrooms at home. And I was like thinking that I was going to grow like some shiitake. I don't know. You know, I had no idea. It was only 20 bucks to sign up for the class. Yeah, You were like, why not learn something new? I freaking, it was psilocybin and I got a tote. I got to take home a monotub of Vietnamese teachers and I harvested like two ounces out of one little tub. And I'm like, 
wow. Um, That's a lot. Super fun. I, yeah, I know. I got four flushes out of that monotub. It was crazy. Nice. So I partnered with the, the guy who taught that class, and we actually did a How to Grow Mushrooms online class together a couple of months ago and he just sent out inoculated grains and I held the class online and taught everyone how to set up their tubs and we had a contest for like biggest mushroom wet weight most flushes and I don't remember but one guy won all of them and he just like swept nice dude that's cool (laughs) that's so creative that you're able to you're using the internet for your benefit and really like I feel like you can reach a lot more people, but sometimes that can be so overwhelming with just the internet and how do I get to reach people? And it's cool how many avenues you, you're actively reaching people and just ways you're including people because people just want to be included. And I feel like it's easier to pay for an experience of inclusion and learning something than just, you know, throw your money away at like, oh, they're teaching a class, but it's cool that you're creating a whole experience around your classes, which I feel like one is easier to valuable it's easier to learn as somebody who's wanting to learn not so overwhelming but it's also so creative thank you i'm i'm really trying to use the internet i have fought it for so long like Mm -hmm. oh man social media internet and i just like you know what people the things that i don't like about it which are people become obsessed they're not present in like like the present moment obviously um And it's like such a waste, a time waster when you could be learning or experiencing life. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to take those things that I don't like about it and I'm going to use it to my advantage of, hey, I can create valuable content for these people who I, maybe I think that it's a waste of time, but I can create a valuable content that isn't wasting time, that is, you know, teaching, connecting, um, creating, and why not like incorporate it all together so I'm really really trying to like you know be grateful for it and not be so like oh man social media or the internet yeah it's always on your side when you're grateful for everything Mm -hmm. so you manifest so much more oh yeah I I have a I launched in March an online store as well so I have like um I sell yucca that I package, which is a wet wetting agent, a surfactant. It has indole acetic acid, which is a plant hormone in the oxen group. Um, it's really good for making teas like that last ingredient or foliar for um, spreading and dispersing water more evenly. Um, and so that's like the one thing that I'm shipping out. But other than that, I just host space for like all of my favorite grow companies, like Grassroots Fabric Pots and AC Infinity and Organics Alive and like different brands of things that I use. And then I'm able to just like incorporate that into my recipes and the articles and just like, you know, hey, this is what I like you can just get it in my store and it's just made things really convenient and nice. That's awesome. It is nice. It's cool to hear how other people, you know, how their workflow is, especially being a full-time creative Yeah, because it can be overwhelming as to where to start and how to start, especially being in, you know, cannabis and thinking outside of the box of, you know, okay, growing, processing, dispensary, but beyond that, what could I do to tap in and in like in a different way, in a different avenue that somebody else isn't doing So I always love the creative ideas that people come up with and how to generate revenue and, you know, create a livelihood for themselves with their passions. Yeah. 
I mean, it's hard to make taxable money in the cannabis space. And if you're trying to buy a home, get a loan, do anything like that, you have to have verifiable income. And Mm -hmm. so it's like that was my biggest struggle for years is just not having like I need to show it on paper. So all these different avenues are my way of like showing it on doing that. Yeah, that's awesome. So looking back, if you could say anything to your younger self, what would you say to her? Oh, I know you asked me this and I honestly can't remember what I said, but now that I'm thinking about it, like, um, I, I, (laughs) I I don't know. There's so many, there's so many things I feel like we could go back and tell our younger self, but so there's a bunch of different answers. So whatever comes to your mind. I would say like not to worry so much that everything is going to be great. You're going to live your best life. You're going to have an amazing uh, family, son, husband, and not to worry because I worried so much about everything Mm -hmm. and the life is freaking great. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So we'd like to ask everyone, we interview this question, but what's the stigma that surrounds the cannabis plant that you personally would like to see changed? Oh, the moms and cannabis for sure. That's like my biggest pet peeve is just not being able to just smoke or be high or admit like feeling like, like I can't admit that I'm smoking and being high around my son. It's like, dude, I am way more fun when I'm stoned. Yes. Like, Kids love high people. You are goofy, (laughs) silly, you're creating games, imagination. Like you, it's just so much better. And I think like that is a huge stigma. Like, oh, you're, you're not a good mom. You're, you should, it's not age appropriate. I had somebody tell me that on social media, like, um, you shouldn't, your kid, child shouldn't know that you're high or that you smoke. Like it's not age appropriate. And I'm like, how am I going to hide cannabis from my son when I'm growing it? It's in my home. Like my husband is chronically ill and smokes a lot. I don't smoke a ton, but he's like always smoking. What is he, what are we going to do? Just like lie to my son. I would rather have an open, honest dialogue of why we're using this, what it is rather than being told, like I should lie and hide that. Yeah. Cause then that makes it like you're walking on eggshells about your own truth. And then it just, you know, messes up who you, what you align with. I feel like you're just going against it. Yeah. Thank you for the unsolicited advice on how to raise my child. Oh my God. I know. I know. And it's the worst when it comes from like my mom, cause she smokes too, but she's just like still stuck in that, you know, mm-hmm. she goes to church every Sunday and she just thinks, you know, I mean, Mormons are, have the word of wisdom. You're not even allowed to drink Pepsi or Coke or whatever, cause it has caffeine in it. So it's like, I've, I just have that stigma in like the little, you know, everyone's voice in their head, not everyone, but mine, I guess is my mom. And like knowing that she feels judged because of the church and like just having that, even though she knows that it's good for you, that it's medicinal, that there's so many good qualities. Like I can still hear her voice, like 
oh my gosh, you shouldn't be smoking in front of him or, you know, like just feeling that because everyone, no one wants to disappoint their mom. I think that's the biggest, Mm -hmm. like who cares about society F everybody else, but like your mom, like you can't, I don't know. At least I don't want to. Yeah, no, I get it. I I totally feel what you're saying. Mom is moms are just moms and you just want to protect them at all costs. At least least she smokes, though. Like, that. after all of you saying all of that, (laughs) I'm like, I think it's really cool that your mom, you know, she still does what she does with her religion or whatever, you know, and going to church every Sunday, but she still likes to smoke. At least least she's, like, you know, open a little bit somehow, some way. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. Her and my stepdad, they're like... Are you gonna give me some gummies? When's that next batch ready? I'm like, yeah, I got them. <laughs> I love that. You can be the plug for them. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Alexandria, I think this wraps up today's episode. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day and share your journey and passions with us. You were such a delight to have on. Oh, thank you, ladies. It was great chatting with you. Yes, absolutely. Likewise. And for anybody that wants to follow along with Alexandria's journey and her beautiful plans. Go follow her on Instagram. It's at Queen of the Sungrown. Thank you again, Alexandria, and to all of our loyal listeners for tuning into today's episode. Keep your eyes peeled for next week's. And as always, Brand, stay medicated. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at DopeHistory.com.